This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. This should be an interesting podcast because we don't have much to talk about. CW delivered most of its news. We're all just waiting for um, fall TV to come, even though fall TV is going to be hilariously different um, (laughs) once starting September and October. Uh, But we do want to circle back to talking about the Emmys, which we haven't discussed, but we're talking about it because, and I know this comes as no surprise to anyone, Miss Bitsy Tuluk was not on the nomination list because CW always gets snubbed, but she does deserve an Emmy. And since Michael is back, Michael, the floor is yours. We knew we'd have this conversation at some point because this kind of genre is constantly overlooked at award shows um, and the CW itself is constantly overlooked at award shows. So yeah, on that element, it's absolutely no surprise, but that doesn't make it any less disappointing, outrageous, choose whichever adjective you want. Um, the work Betsy Tullock delivered in this season of Superman at Lois in particular has just been incredible. I know we all constantly say what an amazing actress she is, but the grounded, realistic, emotional performance she delivered as Lois went through her cancer journey this season was just, it's not the kind of performance or storyline you'd see in shows like this. And she absolutely knocked it out of the park. It was grounded. It was emotional. And I feel like if, I know in season three, some divided some audiences, but I feel like if there was one thing that brought everyone together, it was just the praise on her performance because it was just absolutely stunning. And like I said, we're used to being stunned by her, but I just kind of wish she got this acknowledgement because she deserves it. She absolutely deserves it. It wasn't just an awareness raising performance. It was a... a it was a powerful performance. It was one that like stood out in a show so full of like a family drama and CGI, whereas this just felt so authentic. And I could, I could, I could heap praise on it all day, certainly now because the Emmys won't. Um, it's just she deserves the acknowledgement. She deserved the recognition for that. And I do think this performance will go down in history as one of the greatest the genre has ever seen. So I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge it because she was just amazing, right? It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was mind-blowing. Um, I think, you know, we can get a little jaded sometimes when it comes to storylines in which someone is sick, because usually that is what gets someone an award, right? You know, because mm-hmm. it's the, it's peak drama. I feel like a lot of times when there is a storyline where someone is sick, regardless of what they're sick with, that is the moment. That's their moment to, to really show you what they're going to give. But I just, she was... I've never seen that be done in a superhero show. Probably will never see it be done again in a superhero show. I I know, again, um, like you mentioned, Michael, the fandom was divided on the cancer storyline. But I also think that, like, since they had done it, like, she truly leaned in to the various layers of playing a role that way. I mean, it fully encapsulated all of the elements that embody Lois, you know, and it having lost there, like from being a world famous journalist to being a mom, to being a wife, to being a friend, to, to not feeling like herself and trying to get to reclaim herself again. I'm just like in awe of um, what Bitsy brought to the table. And the writing, of course, helps, but we've all we've discussed that actors really do elevate writing. Like you could have um excellent writing that the actor can't rise to the occasion it just falls flat 
Um, and that was not the case for Bitsy Tullock. And I don't think it'll ever be the case for Bitsy Tullock. She's like, she's one of the best actresses on TV right now. Without a doubt. And like we, we need... No, you go, Michael. Yeah, I, I was just going, I literally was just going to finish the <laughs> sentence saying we've been moved to tears constantly and that would not have happened had she not delivered that performance because that was just amazing. And we need, like, jumping off that, we need a, like, a secondary award show that is as prestigious as the Emmys. Not to say that she is not deserving an Emmy, because she is, but there's clearly just not enough room in this this uh academy just continues to ignore certain performances we need like a secondary award show that's not the critics choice that's not the golden globes it's like not the sag like we just need something where like genre shows can have their moment Mm -hmm. and shows that don't get their moment and performances that don't get their moment can have an award show where they get more than a surfboard as a trophy like we need (laughs) something else um so this is my campaign if she's not going to get an emmy we're going to create a show where she can get something like an emmy that's as golden and shiny you know and again not styrofoam (laughs) we need um like broadcast tv awards or something because that used to be the emmys but like everyone is obsessed with um streaming now or it's like I guess technically HBO's broadcast, but I mean the big five, like CBS, CW, NBC, ABC, Fox, their actors get ignored. Uh, like, yeah, a, a, no. except for Abbott Elementary, of course, who's the outlier, but like much of um, TV that people watch, you fabulous, fabulous, tear, teary performances that leave you just sniffling on the couch, but not a lot of recognition unless of the drama, like this is us. Mm-hmm. Even procedurals get ignored too now. And they'd be doing some great work on there. I mean, I know yeah. people like, you know, um, aren't as into procedurals because they feel like, oh, yeah, but you don't have to follow the storyline all the way. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that we're, they're not acting their behinds off on their shows because they are. Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate that when you look back at all the old Emmy nominations and from previous years gone by, you see all the network TV. I think, Anna, that's just now when you look at that in comparison, and it's just like, we said the streaming industry has taken over a lot, but when you see that all the, the network television is essentially getting ignored at a ceremony that was created for network television, that's just really sad to think about. And now the CW never really broke into that category, like James Virgin aside. Um, so it's just, it's unfortunate that it continues to get overlooked. And I know, I know what you mean, Reid, because we do have the thing like the likes of the Saturn Awards, which was specifically mm-hmm. created to appreciate science fiction and genre TV. But why do we have to create a completely separate offshoot? Where is the middle ground there? Where is the middle ground where the shows we sit down to watch at nighttime and flick on on our televisions and get moved by every single night of the week? why are they not getting appreciated anymore? And these cinematic spectacles, which I do love, admittedly, which arrive maybe every two months, three months, once a year, maybe, they keep getting uh, nominated at the Emmys. It's like the Emmys have essentially turned to television's version of the Oscars. And I mean that in more ways than literally one, because television's kind of changed into uh, movie shows quality like and that's not the same thing as television mm-hmm. i just wish there was more in between sta- stage that uh television could get the recognition it deserves because network tv actors are probably the hardest working actors in the business because they have to produce between 15 to 22 episodes a season um and not to take away from anyone who does eight episodes or 10 episodes of event shows but i just feel like television was a completely different thing than film 
now the line's been blurred and the original sense of what TV is is getting overlooked at award shows like us. Like, we don't have to look any further than the Emmys or even Superman at Lois's lack of a nomination this year. See, this is why I personally championed the year when Emily in Paris was nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series. I know this is a streaming show, not really what we're talking about. But everyone was like, how did that show get nominated? It's not good. And I'm like, I, I, I loved it. Did it deserve it? I don't know. It's not my decision <laughs> to make. But I like that there was a seat at the table for a show that was, I don't believe in the term guilty pleasure, but a guilty pleasure, like, it's not, you know, it's not severance. It's not succession. It, it It's a romantic comedy. And I'd never seen a show like that be nominated after year. Like, I've always wanted Younger to be nominated because in its heyday, Younger was amazing. And it's the same, same creator, same, like, tone. And just seeing a show that, one, I love, that is in the genre that I love, finally be recognized alongside all of these, like, eyebrow streaming hits that have taken over the comedy category i was like yes we should be celebrating the fact that they opened up this category to a show that is unlike everything else i thought it was so cool and and nobody agreed with me and nobody still does it still feels like a fever dream that emily Emmy nominated (laughs) but like i thought it was so cool like I, i but nothing has changed since then like nothing is really in the same way like i don't think a show that i guess lowbrow has been welcomed back in but (laughs) i thought it was so cool i thought it was going to be like oh maybe now shows that people secretly love but say they hate watch is going to like they're going to be emmy nominated no not like nothing no doors were opened for other kinds of shows (laughs) but i was so excited when that happened and no one agreed (laughs) it's frustrating though because like we this should be a room made for others. Everything doesn't have to be prestige. Like I'm so like, that's the part that's exhausting. So I understand why you'd be excited for Emily in Paris because it's not a prestige show. It's not a prestige comedy. We're just having fun. Actually, I feel like having seen some of it, that show could have been on network TV um, and like earlier on and would have done fabulously, still doing fabulously on streaming, but it's just, it just feels like it would have totally made sense, um, in like the 2000s era. But I do, I really want, and perhaps this is controversial. I need everybody to stop acting like all the prestigious shows are good. They just got a lot of money with fancy people in it, with fancy titles. And that's, I mean, there are a lot of them good. Yes. But just because it's airing on HBO, doesn't mean it should be considered a hit or just because like everybody's talking about it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good i get a little like i don't like the way that people talk about the shows that air on like the big five like it feels very much like you know being in high school when everyone's like developing their music taste and suddenly they don't like pop music anymore suddenly the thing that you were like bouncing around to is like the worst thing you ever heard. And I was like, you were just listening to it a month ago. Do I have stories with that? (laughs) (laughs) I had a teacher in high school. This is way off track. I had a point I'll circle back to, if I remember it, I feel like I already lost it, but I had a teacher in high school where we were doing this exercise where we had to name like an artist or something. And I said, Avril Lavigne and Mind you, Avril Lavigne still putting out music today in 2023, still was putting out music. It was like 2011. And she was like, you still like Avril Lavigne? This is a teacher. She was like, you still like Avril Lavigne? And I'm like, yeah. 
and she's like, but be, why wouldn't you grow out of that? And I'm like, well, some things you just, you don't grow out of, you like them and you like them forever. And I've had that conversation with so many people. Like I remember the show, what I like about you. I bought the first season DVD when I was younger and my dad was like, you're going to grow out of that. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Amanda Bynes is hilarious. Let me live. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, I forgot my other thought that I had. <laughs> that was actually relevant <laughs> <laughs> oh man no listen um, so many people told me i'd grow out of batman comic books wrestling and here i am biggest nerd in the bit in the in the uh the room uh, in my family today you never grow out of things like that but like to the on on the like television point of how it's kind of like evolved over time that's why i love seeing wandavision get nominated at the emmys because don't get me wrong seeing a marvel show get nominated i was screaming i was so happy about it but on the other end of things it took its cues from I Dream of Genie. It took its cues from Bewitched and the Brady Bunch, other sitcoms of classic days gone by that you would have seen nominated at the Emmys back in the day. Whereas now it just feels like television has just become movies on TV. And I don't want that. I want television to look, act and sound like television. I think you just thought of a thought read. So you, over you, you dislodged the thought. You brought it back <laughs> with what you were saying. <laughs> Mind you... Some of the most popular shows on streaming services are from network TV. You're still watching Friends. You're still watching The Office. Suits, which is not network TV, it's cable, is one of the top shows currently in the Netflix top 10 and has been for a few weeks. So there's a demand for these shows that are older. So why are people ignoring them currently when they're still being produced in, I would even argue, at a higher quality, if not the same quality as the shows that we loved back in the day? So there's a lot of questions swirling around that we mm -hmm. need. We're never going to get answers to, but I mean, I love how this all stemmed from Bitsy Tulip deserves an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, it's like. It stems all the larger issues. In the <laughs> we could talk for hours about the state of television and the way in which people have sort of uplifted streaming in a way that diminishes like network TV and cable. It's, people are being weird. I feel like sometimes they don't even know the show that they're watching isn't even a streaming show. They're like, but it's such good quality. And it's like, yes, because it's not like streaming invented good quality television. Mm -hmm. New Amsterdam was one of the bigger shows on Netflix last year. And I wanted to whisper in some of the people's ear, like, you know, this is on NBC, right? <laughs> you know, this is from NBC. <laughs> it's not just some like random show that popped up on Netflix. <laughs> I feel like people don't, and I feel like because they're, they're like listing all their streaming shows, and I'm like, yes, those are fantastic, but this other show that you're watching over here was a network TV show it just finished, or its new season is premiering in the fall. Like, what? Like, yes. If you still had cable, you could just flip on the TV and watch it weekly if you wanted to. I promise you, it's, you would get the same experience. And just because there's more episodes and maybe there's a filler one, does it make it less good? Mm-mm. You know, because I, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> but I just so there's this thing that people like, and I think this is what some of the arguments are about for in the writer's strike, which the writers are really trying hard to be able to say the business so that the studios 
don't go like, oh, but you could like make a six episode season or an eight episode season with just you and an assistant. And they're like, no, I can't. But like, nobody wants that anyway. Nobody wants that. But we also like, one of the things I think one of the drawbacks about streaming television shows is that, you know, in its heyday and in some of its time now too, is it became, it was a playground with like no rules. So they're like, oh, you know what? I have an eight episode story I want to do. There's no like runtime that I have for each episode. They're all going to be different. And I was like, but you need is parameters. Which- parameters. <laughs> yeah. Let's ha- we need to have that conversation because I'm watching some of these shows, streaming shows, and I'm like, what did the outline look like? <laughs> 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 I need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so we just need, we really do because they're like, oh, we, we can totally do, like, we're going to go from a, thir- a 32 minute episode to a 65 minute episode. And yeah, like, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't actually need to do that. We don't actually be- need that many shots of the woods or someone running. I promise yeah. you, you can There's edit something it out. to be said about building a story toward act breaks and having mm-hmm. structure. Like, sometimes, like, when you watch those shows you can feel the structure and to me that's comforting because we've watched so many of those shows for broadcasts where it's like they build toward the ad breaks and like you can see the structure building and you can tell how far you into an episode and removing that sometimes can help you just like experience an episode but when it's so loosey-goosey that it feels like there's no like distinguished acts like there's really no like like we learn in school how to build a story. Like it's the mountain and then it goes down. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like a small little bump. <laughs> and it's like, ugh, like I, what happened in this episode? I don't know. <laughs> right. And and because they're streaming shows or cable shows and they're, they're basically a, like what, a six part, 10 part movie. Like you don't have, technically you don't have to reach like the inciting incident until episode two or like the midpoint until episode four. Um, Like I know I, to go back to Marvel, I know there's a show that we've talked about before that uh, you're, you were a fan of a certain actor of Reed and you tried watching the first episode off and you thought it was way too slow because of two the episodes. Sen- I suffered through two. All right. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry about that. Um, Give me uh, more credit, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry I put you through that. I'm a joker. Um, but yeah, um, six part movie is not the Just same make thing. Make the as damn movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That, That's that. what I'm screaming at. It's some yeah. of these miniseries. I'm like, why did it, movies exist still? Yeah, exactly. And that <laughs> show in particular would have worked as a movie. Um, but that said, there's no parameters anymore. Like, and uh, yeah, you could have a show that really starts ramping up in the back five episodes. You're like, well, then where was all this in the first five episodes? Because remember that old network TV trope, you got to hook people right at the beginning. Otherwise, they'll not tune in. And it just feels like now that you've got big actors attached to projects, big budgets on big cable networks, you expect people to stick with it the whole way through. And that's not always the way it works out. Yeah. And they're dropping the hook sometimes at the end of episode two or three. And I'm like, no, 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 no. When you're selling a pilot, the hook is, you know, in those first 45 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I remember um, that show Revenge, which is one of the best shows ABC ever put out. Maybe one of, like, the last of that really good ABC era. Although, that's a broad statement. Let me run that back, because I don't I, I don't know what ABC's up to nowadays. <laughs> I remember I watched the show Happy Endings, and it was on... They put Revenge after their comedy block, which, neither here nor there. Just weird. They're yeah, still doing good. stuff like that, by the way. It's terrible. So you put a, a high concept soap opera behind <laughs> comedy. Interesting choices. But it got me to watch because I wasn't going to watch Revenge. And I just like didn't turn ABC off after Happy Endings. I'm like, what is this show? And it, by like 10 minutes in, I was hooked because like that's what you got to do. 
And now they just like meander and they know that if they drop a full season or three episodes, they've got you. You're going to you're going to keep watching until it gets good because that's what the vibe is now is like, oh, it gets good in episode three. And I'm like, I don't want it to get I need it to be good from like 10 minutes in. That's Mm -hmm. what I need. And I not to toot my own horn, but I always know within like the first five minutes, like if the vibe is off, like I like I can feel it. I don't know if everybody is that tuned into their own like uh, tastes. But, like I can tell like within the first five minutes if a movie or show is like this isn't going to be for me and I know I'm going to struggle or conversely I know like okay I can I'm going to rock with this this is for me <laughs> I think with the uh, this is not obviously a CW show but I feel like people were surprised by Night Agent and how yeah. like successful it was but Night Agent follows the same formula as broadcast television does they yeah, hit you in the CBS. face yeah, yeah, immediately. And the showrunner is SWAT is the SWAT creator, right? Yeah. Or the SWAT showrunner. So and he understands how you get people into the story. I, I always feel like um people, some people I think are used to like, oh if, well, if it's a binge, I could just I don't mind suffering through like a half hour of um episodes or three hours of episodes until it gets good. And I was like, I do though. Like I'm still yeah. a cable girl. Like I need to be able to understand what's happening in your show right off the bat. Like I don't. I as soon as someone tells me, oh, but by episode they was like, oh, then I'm not watching. I'm not like I. Do, I can't. You want me to invest time? There's so much TV. I could be watching something else yeah. and be really invested. If I don't know the characters' names by the end of episode one, we have an issue, and it happens mm-hmm. so often now. I feel like broadcasts we grow up. And we hear they use the names in every scene. I'm like, it's season four. I know who she is. You don't need to say, what are you thinking about? Insert name here. I'm like, I got it. We're here. (laughs) (laughs) Streaming shows, no names. I'm like, who are you? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I know. I don't feel so bad or I feel kind of bad now for uh, going on about how Riverdale kept doing. You know what, B? Yeah, you're right, V. Back and forth. They whack you over the head with it. And I'm like, (laughs) no one talks like that. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to know these characters by the end of this episode. But you know what? I think that's better than not giving us the character names at all. I know, just so confused. They say, um, you're watching it, and they say Bradley's name once every 30 minutes. So you're just like, like, who's Bradley? Who's Bradley? Who's Bradley? (laughs) (laughs) Fighting for my life on IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Oh, we, oh God, we do have to have a, a major TV talk. We didn't just have one now, but like a major yeah. TV talk on a pod episode because. Oh, yeah. we've had a, a like a rant cast planned and I think we just did the pilot for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bitsy. We love you. I know, we love you so much, which, you know, moving into like some another fabulous actress, Kennedy McMahon, who, uh, ooh, update on The Good Lawyer for anyone who is still concerned. Uh, it is still in limbo. They are not pulling it back out yet. I think it's a good, it's, I guess it's a good chance of survival, I guess, if we're still waiting. I feel like at this point, I mean, they, they should say something. Um, Rookie Feds is also sitting around. Um, they don't know what they're doing with that one, but the, the contracts are extended on that and home economics. I wonder if ABC will make a decision when we get closer to the fall. I just want to know if we're going to get it. They are on my last nerve. And I know what I said last week, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> about the whole strike thing and like keeping perspective but i am losing patience i really am riding my last nerve 
I know. Like every time they bring up like a, a ABC is still hasn't decided. I'm like TV line though. I'm assuming this means that you checked again and they told you it's still in limbo. I just please stop telling me that it's still in. Like just tell <laughs> me when the decision is made. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> no progress reports. <laughs> I feel like they should just say something though. Like I know the actors are striking, but that has nothing to do with like whether you're, either you're going to move forward with this new show or you're not. Like whether they're striking or not, you just you know what you want to do. Just tell yeah. us. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, moving to Nancy Drew, which is a, <laughs> which is a prime example of not only classic CW, as you said, read um yesterday, but also what we're talking about about like television structure and why yep. it can be so exciting. I mean, their first uh commercial break is is the body swap, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it makes you want to continue watching. Like they just dropped. You're like. Oh, Body swap episode. I, like that was my exact reaction. I didn't know we were in for a body swap. And when I, oh, oh my God, I was so excited. <laughs> it just felt like a jolt of like, I, I don't know. I felt like I took a pop some serotonin. I got a new supplement and I was like, oh, yes, this is television. <laughs> yes. No, the grin on my face when uh, it was a Nancy S responded to a question that Nancy was asked. I was like, no, no, we're not. Like, like, are we, are we, is this happening? <laughs> and then of course it was Tunji who nailed it with Bess. Am I dead? Is that my body? And I was like, no, we're actually doing it. And then as soon as we came back from the commercial break, they had all that exposition to catch us up on who was what. I was like, yes, you've got my hook, line, and sinker. I'm in for this. And whoa, what an adventure came next. The unraveling of that scene was so, like, it happened so quickly in my brain. It was like, oh, Nancy and Ace switch bodies. What mm-hmm. happened to everybody else? Oh, it's not just Nancy and Ace. It's everybody. And it was like, realizing what happened in real time, it was like a, oh, I loved being on that roller coaster ride of figuring yeah. out, like, what happened. <laughs> It's so fun. Uh, these last like three episodes, so I'm assuming the fourth one is also going to be fun, but like have been freaking amazing. Like it's just, it really is nostalgic. They went into their bag and they were like, we're going to do all the tropes everyone loved when they were watching TV Girl. One up. after another, we did time travel. We did board game. We did body swap. Who's doing it like this? That's like no a pew, 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 three weeks in a row. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> The standalones are really rocking it out the park. I mean, it just, I feel like it also gave us an opportunity to be able to see the actors be truly challenged uh, in the episode because they had to embody each other's different characters and trying to feel like, are, like trying to see like, are they, are they really getting it? It's like, they kind of are. Oh my God. Like mm-hmm. um, they're, Tunji, just the whole episode just was best from the mannerisms that like Having my a blast right my favorite is after um he finishes the, his speech and he just sits down and crosses his legs and he just realized oh i can't i can't do that like he, he immediately <laughs> was he was prim for the majority of the episode and it was like the sweetest and then um we did pointed out how Ace's run which is actually exactly <laughs> like it was Nancy's run. he yeah he nailed the kennedy the the how do i want to say this? like the playfulness that kennedy puts in nancy sometimes like he really like she does a lot of that when she's on her own nancy so he really did his homework to see how kennedy acts as nancy when she's apart from the group she's a silly little menace <laughs> <laughs> he had that crossbody bag on and the way he like held it and like trot it was 
hilarious. It was amazing. Just like the little mannerisms they picked up on each other, like just seeing Tunji, I think it was the monologue. Like I could see Madison like saying that the way that he mm-hmm. was speaking, it wasn't the way he speaks as Nick. It was the way Madison speaks as Bess. And it was crazy to see like, oh, I can see Madison, but it's tuned. It was, it was a, a, a not going to say what I was going to say, a mind bleep. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, oh my God, this is, um, how did they, I don't know how they did this. And I think one of the first scenes, that Kennedy acts as ace. I was like, oh, Kennedy's been waiting to do this for a hot minute. Like she was like, let me at it. I'm going to be Alex all day. And she really killed it. <laughs> she did. She did. She... Sorry, you go ahead. No, hard. you go ahead. I just going to say she played it with such like a dull kind of like, uh, like because Nancy's always so like active and focused, whereas Ace is always dead chill and relaxed. And she did that so, so well because we, we did have some of the larger than life performances around her. Like, we said Tunji's best, incredible. Whereas she kind of had a more like dull down personality to play. And you, I think you really got to see it when she went to the yacht club and they had to ask. And it was like, what was the, what was the line she said? I wrote it down and I thought it was so much fun. Um, she was like, uh, um, my name is Nancy Hudson, as it says here on my membership card. It was really like quirky little things like Ace would say to try to convince someone as though, because Ace always feels like he has to justify himself. I thought Kennedy got that brilliant. And then um, was it when the bodies first swapped, uh, you saw Ace like that there running his fingers through his hair and it was, she was like, wow, it's really on there, huh? Just going back to like Nancy's obsession with Ace's hair. <laughs> Loved her. She was so good. <laughs> oh, and then there's so there two... I really like Alex's interpretation of Nancy trying to snow someone on the phone um, with mm-hmm. like the the water bottles. Oh, we're, t- we're taking water. <laughs> you just see the water just swallowing. I was like, that doesn't that doesn't sound like a wave, but that's totally <laughs> Nancy. Or um, oh, it just popped away from my mind. Oh, the way Kennedy was looking up from under her lashes a lot, like because. Mm-hmm. Because Alex does that as Ace, because she looked dipped. I was like, are you looking under your eyelashes at somebody? What is happening right now? (laughs) Um, Or to me, their best comedic scene is with Captain Tom. And Mm -hmm. the the lack of being able to do sign language. (laughs) Oh, that was amazing. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to act as each other in scenes together. They were the only ones really with that Mm -hmm. issue. Because the other three, you know, swapped between the three of them. But they had to act as each other with each other that must have been such a challenge um and like i know this is a thing in all body swaps but for kennedy to be alex being kennedy it was like like she had to interpret playing nancy ace playing nancy when she's used to playing nancy is i i can't imagine like how the preparation that that took like how would ace played nancy when I am in, like, I can't, like, mm-hmm. I'm confused just thinking about it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah. It's very, I guess it's, it's another testament to her acting ability and also Alex's acting ability. Mm-hmm. Everybody's really, because, like, you have Leah at the table being Nick, who, but also having to be George while mm-hmm. George is on a study date. The, the, and you can see that it's clearly Nick being George because the amount of touching that, that is, happens in that date when George doesn't really touch people, it kept throwing me off. He was like, every time we cut to them, like George is touching um, the date's hand, Cameron's hand. I'm like, George doesn't touch people. You're touching too much. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so nice because you could it, it set up it set it up really well that you thought that oh 
God, something's going to go horribly wrong. And I think they all did really, really well with everything they had to do. You always do see that in body swaps episodes where people are like, if you live a day in my shoes, things could go so badly or so differently. And they all kind of pulled it off in the end, even though like they, all of the scenarios had disaster written all over them. But yeah, I mean, I thought that, that Nick Play and George came out really, really well in the end. Um, it was, it was really enjoyable. The whole episode, I honestly have very, very little issues with this one. It was one of the best ones because... Every time it cut between a different arc, I was like, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying that. And of course, there was the larger than life sequences like the Nancy and Ace having to be each other around each other. Like I said, Tunji's best performance. And also, can I just say, I'm going to stop raving about him now, but like the... uh, the moment, my favorite thing about Tunji's performance was uh, the mannerisms, um, because like you guys said, he really nailed Bess. Um, was it in the first one when he was like when he when he found out when Bess found out she had to do the speech, he was all he was all like, oh, I should think of some sports metaphors and just really like <laughs> animate it. And then when George went to walk off, George, where are you taking my body exactly? <laughs> like Bess word. I, I best performance of the episode. I was just in awe of it the whole time. I know again, award winning performances are happening on the CW, whether they get recognized by the Academy or not. Uh, I just and Madison was good too because she mm-hmm. she's not clunky, right? But like with her having to pretend to have George in her body. It's just stomp, 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 and it's a little gruffer. And even when she's like freaking out in the historical society, when those two brothers come, doesn't know what she's doing whatsoever. But then we get like a poignant moment because like um, that's usually George's character. We get her freaking out about something, then she it connects back to her life, and she's like, "My mom heard voices. I mean, my friend's mom heard voices." Mm-hmm. And I understand how it can ruin lives and i also like the the balance of like supernatural or spiritual things affect people differently and people embody them differently because i did like how the brother was like our parents say it's like a gift from god but it's not a gift from god like to them it is but he's losing his brother so no we are going to this this gift is going back to sender and that's Mm -hmm. what they did for them it was very poignant, and I, that, that's, I think that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed that scene in particular, because all the actors were where they needed to be in this episode. Like, if, if this wasn't a body swap, all these actors would have been in those scenarios doing those storylines anyway. Like, Nancy and Ace would have been investigating, Nick would have been given a speech, Bess would have been at the Historical Society, and George would have been on the study date. But like like Reed said, they had to play versions of somebody else playing themselves. And like for George being, uh, George being in... Uh, I said that right. As George being in Bass's body, that came out, I thought, really, really well because they were quickly like business as usual, get this done and move on. But like we've seen in many body swap episodes, they stop and have a moment and think, oh, wait, actually, I can do some good here. Or actually, I, that that's meaningful. Let's let's help somebody out. And then they did get the curse left at the end. I was waiting for something to go horribly wrong because the curse was such a footnote of the episode. And then they had it stored in the jar. And I was like, is it going to come back? I, what's going to happen? But happy to report that didn't happen other than the, the worst we got was a little wave on the boat when it sent it over, over the edge. Um, but yeah, all in all, I just thought that all the arcs came together really well. And again, we, we can go a carp on about how great the actors were. They all did incredibly well. But yeah, loved it. And I don't know how much more I can rave about how each arc, I thought, lived up to the expectations really, really well. And it was um, an emotional episode, too, because hmm. I guess you would call Body Swap the A plot. But then there's like the B plot is Nancy dealing with the one year anniversary of her mom's death and like keeping that to herself. Um, We haven't even raved about 
Kennedy's performance at the end. I guess we'll get to that. But um, the timeline aside, the that storyline, I think it was it was an important one to get closure for Nancy and to see her growth. And yeah, I loved it. We've come so far since season mm-hmm. one. Like that um, speech she gives to Nick, George, and Bess would not have happened mm-hmm. in season one. She just was not in mm-hmm. a position to be able to accept this found family that she was cultivating. And for her to be able to vocalize that, to call them her family and tell them that she loves them. I was like, Nancy, girl, don't wreck me. We still have 10 minutes left. Something could go horribly wrong. <laughs> but, but like, it was just, it was so stunning. And I thought that's where we were going to like leave it. Um, Cause I knew they were going to do the, um, the party because we've seen the pictures you, you knew they were going to be at nancy's house um but even though it wasn't clear what they were going to be there for um but then they gave her another speech in which we don't often get to hear nancy talk about kate like in a like a big group setting and for her to be able to like do that and speak so lovely about her mother and then embody the thing her dad wanted her to do at the beginning of the episode which she had shunned away from which was to make it Fun, to honor her mom by having a lovely cake fight uh, I think was just it was gorgeous it reminded me about some of the things that I really enjoyed about the earlier seasons of Nancy Drew mm-hmm. yeah the way the Kennedy I don't I, I'm running out of words to praise her but just to get specific like when she started the monologue and her voice was shaky and she cracked and she stumbled a little bit I was like oh, you just can't learn that <laughs> in acting school like they just can't teach that it was oh my, and then she kept going and I was like I just love watching her work in the way that she continues to interpret this character and to circle back a little bit to add on to her performance in the claw scene before she gives that speech the brief moment where you see her wrestling with am I going to do this am I going to open up to them mm-hmm. that was amazing too before she even gets into it because you know nancy's like oh if i do this it's changing everything <laughs> she's like am i ready for that um and i'm glad she did uh, yeah. but yeah there's a lot of nuance in kennedy's performances whether she was ace or nancy and again no, i have no words i'm without words and i love when final seasons do full circle moments i don't know if this was intentional because i know they weren't treating this as the final season in the first half of it but I feel like that was such a full circle moment of growth for Nancy. She has had variations of that over the year, not years. Um, but all in all, I feel like this was probably the most full circle of them all, the most poignant, the most striking, because she finally accepted that she is no longer on her own. This time last year, she, I still cannot get over that, this time last year, she was on her own. And we that was our biggest issue with some of the early episodes. She had all these people wanting to help her. And she was like, you know what? I'm on off into the night to do this on my own. And now she finally realized she almost made that mistake again of thinking that she had to go through this on her own. But in this episode, she actually realized that look at the growth she's underwent in this last year because all these people are around her um, and choosing to lean on them, to be emotional with them. And I, th- I think it was also kind of interesting that ace wasn't in those final scenes because obviously nancy had set him up with uh on the fishing trip with his dad but she and she knows how to be vulnerable around ace now we've seen that all season whereas i still think she's 
coming to terms with being vulnerable around the rest of the Drew crew. And I so I think it was super important that we saw that. And like, it was just awesome. I just thought it was just such an, a meaningful moment of growth for the character. And uh, like like we said, Kennedy was just phenomenal in it. it. And I agree, it did remind me of some of the earlier scenes because every time that tough exterior of Nancy would crack a little bit, Kennedy would get the chance to do a very like uh, soft uh kind of broken but also full full hearted kind of performance like that and I think this was one of the best examples of that where it came together um yeah just such a moment of growth for the character and that if the episode had ended there I would have been very very fulfilled with that scene because I thought it was so powerful but of course then we did get the more light-hearted version of it at the end which I uh, think is also more uh, very very needed because this wasn't just Nancy's story it was Carson's story and even though he didn't have that many scenes I do like the fact that Eventually, by the end of it, even Nancy realized that he was going through a tow and it was still his grief. And so I just thought the fact that it was the Drew crew there to support Nancy, that Ryan was there to support both of them. Yes, he was there for Nancy, but he was also there for Carson. Love the little family they've created on the show. It's so beautiful that I will have to say justice for Carson, because finding out about the year, his girlfriend, still on my list. Still, I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't need to drink out of the teacup, but you certainly don't need to drink out of the teacup when it hasn't even been a year yet. Like, yeah, just a mess. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> can't get over that. <laughs> it's, it's like, so, I mean, I'm glad that he's going to grief counseling and has a support group. I'm assuming that he's still doing that. I also I expected them to have that full circle moment with Nancy where she realized she needed to give her dad what he needed. Um, during this day too, because it, it, this is affecting both of them. But oh, his face um, when he's just trying to accept that she doesn't want anybody in the house um, mm-hmm. and, and have that be okay, uh, and then being able to talk to Ryan about how much of his grief had to be tampered because he had to take care of Nancy and help her through her grief was hurting me. I was like, oh, I love this scene. It's like this little scene stuck in, in all this chaos, but it's just so nice that like. Carson gets to open up about what's going on with him and with someone who he cares about, who cares about him, who is like a neutral party. And then I love the um I feel like I'm like I'm glad that Ryan actually got the words of of your family too. Because he needed to hear that. Um I'm like, Ryan, you clearly are. Y'all are like always together. But I mean, I'm glad they told you because he seems like <laughs> someone who needs to hear it because of the family he grew up in. He he knows what family should like, like look like, and he did not get that growing up. For a show that's not, I wouldn't ever call this a family drama. Family is a, an enormous theme in mm-hmm. every single character's character arcs. Like everybody has some sort of generational trauma, issue, struggle, something going on with their family. Most of the the cases have to deal with family and the trauma within that in this town. And it was a big moment, I think for Nancy and both of her dads in the theme of family, like they all needed to in different ways needed that. Um, I always forget that family is such a big theme. Like it's so, it's just always so present, but it's mm-hmm. this episode is really like, no family's a big thing in the show. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It is. <laughs> I think that also added the full circle feel because I think family was probably the most at its most important or overarching presence in the show in its first season. And obviously, as, the, as shows like that go on, you tend to get more roped into whatever the season story of the season is. 
Whereas now I think we're doing a lot of reflecting, which I think is benefiting the show really, really well. And speaking of Ryan and growth, I feel like it was such a, a gentle scene. But the fact that he was the one that noticed it was Carson's grief too, I thought that was such a huge, huge moment for him. Because like like we said, Ryan's not used to being around a real family. Of course, he, is, he was surrounded by his blood relatives all his life, but that didn't exactly mean anything. Whereas he got to show the growth that he's gone through, particularly with someone he's grown alongside. I, I cannot put into words how much I love the Carson and Ryan dynamic and we haven't got to see it as much because they've either been playing the role of dad one that Nancy needs in this episode or dad two that Nancy needs in that episode this season they've kind of been on and off and on and off but the last couple of episodes we've seen them spend more time together and every single one of those scenes I come away with feeling incredibly fulfilled because it's one of my favorite dynamics on the show and I don't think I would have said that two or three seasons ago although I, I'm keeping my eye on Ryan because he did slip in the the glass thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm like, "You're gonna make this difficult for us, aren't you?" <laughs> yes, which is why. But I'm happy that we're getting to that point though, because um, the season four synopsis was killing me with the um, Nancy has a connection with someone. Or they didn't mention the glasses; it's the glasses' son, but like an enemy's son, and Ryan's not about it. And it hadn't happened yet, so it should be happening soon. Since mm-hmm. he's like, she's like, you can't go to war with the glasses. And he's like, oh, it's already <laughs> happening. <laughs> <That's that. laughs> it does kind of feel like I'm, I, we don't have an awful lot of time left. And there are kind of like two big bads now. Because now we know that the Sin Eater is what the Demogorgon is called. Um and uh, there's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Um <laughs> uh, and we find the black door, which terrifying scene like nancy sticking around to grab those books i would have been up that staircase and out of there um but like we have this going on and meanwhile there's the glasses the glasses were kind of that like wild card last season that helped them stop temperance and they were like oh no wait a minute maybe you're kind of evil as well and we've only had one more episode with them since they're doing an awful lot of building up of them off screen by mentioning them here mentioning them there and of course, then there's Tristan, who's just kind of like there for his own purposes. So I don't know how they're going to bring everything together. I do trust the show. I know they'll do a good job of it. But it is going to be an interesting watch because it definitely feels like the Sin Eater and the history and secrets in Horseshoe Bay is the main storyline this season. So how do the glasses factor into that? I don't know. It's, it will be interesting, though, especially because like uh they haven't given us a lot on the glasses other than their artifact collectors we've actually now i think have gotten more on <laughs> people the rich people or the people in power who uh in in um horseshoe bay who are using the black door to their advantage mm-hmm. it's like oh of course the wealthy are walking down the steps in the town hall to to read a script on a mirror that summons a, de- like a creature to eat their sins this metaphor is amazing like it's not enough that you probably have law enforcement in your pocket you now have to have a supernatural being as well i have a brief hot take oh yes that i don't know if that even connects to what you just said because i was like formulating it in my head <laughs> <laughs> but i'm actually like as like frustrated <laughs> i feel like as we might be that the glasses haven't really appeared they've just been like this in the background uh, threat unseen at the moment i'm actually like kind of okay with them not having a ton of screen time and like mm-hmm. maybe circling back toward the end because i feel like and this is where the hot take portion comes in i need everybody to stay with me everyone stay with me 
last season we had temperance just oh, that's true up and down everywhere and that storyline took a minute to cook <laughs> and i feel like we could have done less of temperance love i mean uh, no shade no hate again stay with me I think we're seeing the opposite of last season and I don't know which one's better or worse and we won't know until see episode 13. But at the moment, I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of glad because who knows if we would have gotten this one, two, three punch of episodes if the glasses were a bigger presence and a bigger like situation. You know what I mean? Is that a, mm-hmm. is that a controversial hot take? Am I going to get mm-hmm. cooked again? <laughs> no, I think, I think you're good. I think that makes a lot of sense actually because it allows uh, them to set up plot points that perhaps the glasses will actually know more about than Nancy and the rest of the Drew crew. Uh, and it allows them to, like you said, to be sort of a, a threat in the background rather than mustache twirling villains who do mm-hmm. a lot of nothing besides like glare at you at the bagel shop or like, oh, or the bagel shop, not to that's see you've it. Been, yeah. You've been campaigning for the bagel shop. <laughs> I was so happy. It's the cutest little storefront too. Mm-hmm. And then um, someone online pointed out, they also have ice cream. And I, I was like, saw oh, that on the sign. I was like, that's random, but cool. Right? <laughs> Horseshoe and, bagels and ice cream. <laughs> and it's just like, you know what? That is like, that needs to be the place to be. That is like mm. where, like, Saturday morning bagels for the Drew crew. Like, just get a little small table outside, y'all. Like, argue about it. I know that's it. like the one peaceful place in town. You know, yeah. it just looked so inviting. Like, I guess like, I want to hop in the screen and go order myself a bagel. <laughs> and Ace's endorsement means so much to me. <laughs> like I know it's good, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. But um, but no, I really, I, I, I it's because they mentioned the bagel shop so much. I was hoping that we got to see it, and we did, and we got it with the loveliest scene between um Tom and and Ace, where Tom really just wants to be there for his Tom kid. Had Ace gagged? He did. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was like, Tom, you didn't have to do all that. It really came for him. <laughs> but I was like, oh. <laughs> Tom was a dad. Tom was a dad on a mission. He's like, look, I know something's not right with you, and I know it has to do with Nancy. You don't have to talk about all of it, but I think we should talk about it so you what can just get face on the chest. Oh, the oh, sad face. Like, he, the, yeah, he was like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think one of the last times we saw him in like a significant presence was the time he threw Ace out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even mind that they had all of that take place off screen because I just I'm so happy we got to see the endearing relationship between them one or two more times. And uh, like uh, Reed said, he came for Ace. He absolutely did. But like it was loving. Like, and I think that's I, I love their bond so much. Um, I hope that's not the last to be safe them this season because I could watch a whole episode with the two of them just in it. I don't know. It, it felt like a. It felt a lot like closure. Yeah, very much so. Um, and I think that was a big thing Ace had to learn apart from any relationship thing. What he took away from this story with Nancy is to appreciate his dad while he's here. Mm-hmm. And as much as he might be frustrated with these fishing trips or as much as he doesn't want to do them or whatever, it's important to, you know, cherish those moments because they won't last forever. And all you have is your memories. And I think that was what ace took away from that that was the big thing i think from the phone call that was kind of well no he did say it i was gonna say it was unspoken but he he said it (laughs) he said thank you for making me go i didn't think we were gonna get that phone call by the way um i know i thought it was gonna end after the cake thing and i was like wait no that's not how the show goes (laughs) 
we had We're the jam- ominous. <laughs> yeah, we had the gentle fade out, and I was like, oh, that's a nice way to end the episode. But then the ending wasn't that ominous. It didn't tell us anything we didn't already know. But I guess that was just all done so we that we could have that phone call between Nancy and S. And it was it was a nice way of like kind of wrapping up this episode's storyline because I suppose this is where we head into the next conversation. I um I will say I really really enjoyed Nancy and S in this episode, and here's here's why. The reason I loved watching them grow closer over the year year is because of the simple fact that there were these two unusual parallels that worked very well together like detectives. They were their confidants, even though they didn't kind of know it at the time. And we got to see that one more time. We got to see them be detectives. Yes, there was a hilarious trope of the fact that they were in each other's bodies and they had to learn how the other half lived for a whole day and help each other out. But generally, we just got to see them. They were investigating the black door and they got the answers. And I thought that worked really well. And it's nice to see them employing the old techniques to further their new love story arc because we've kind of got lost in destiny at Written in the Stars and all of that over the last couple of weeks. Whereas this was good old fashioned Ness doing what Ness does at reminding us why we fell in love with them and why they maybe fell in love with each other. That I could not have asked for more from this episode. This is my favorite Ness episode of the season so far. Ooh. Two try. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I do think they we had some really nice moments between them. Um, kind of being able to communicate better um, because they were forced to be around each other um, because they had to work with one another. I, there were like two things that I thought were weird though. Uh, the I don't know why we're saying things like you know we've been trying to stay apart, and I was like no. You haven't been. <laughs> you have scenes every episode, and which, of course, might go back to the timeline thing. Where for us, it's feeling like it's days, mm-hmm. um, or like perhaps even weeks. And we're like, no, it's been like three days. So I was like, well, then they haven't been trying to stay apart from one another. But um, and then the they bring the worst out in each other. The, the the feeling that I was afraid we were gonna bring up the worst out in each other. And I was like. You generally don't do that. Even when y'all were fighting, you were still fighting while communicating. Like it wasn't like it broke down into name calling or taking pot shots. Uh, it's just, you know, hurt, which you're allowed to express hurt. I mean, I guess if avoidance counts, because um, Nancy was avoiding Ace in one of the episodes and he didn't like that. He wanted them to like try to be friends again. And she's like, I don't know how to be friends with you right now because, you know, you rejected me. But um that I wasn't really feeling. I feel like that wasn't the narrative that they had been telling us. But my God, the golden hour shot. Like when they're yeah. both back in their bodies. I was like, they hit that golden hour. Like, so sorry to all the boys too. Um, which y'all missed that golden hour by a long shot. But they, like Nancy Drew, they hit it. And it was like, I think one of those gorgeous scenes I've seen on Nancy Drew. Because it was really just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And them being able to... Um, connect with one another. I think my favorite small nice moment of this episode is when um, Ace as Nancy gives Nancy as Ace the locket because he understands how important it is to her. And though she's not in her own body, she should be able to uh, wear the locket that symbolizes both of her mothers. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like a, a beautiful way of showcasing how much he knows her and how much it would bother her not to be able to have that piece of her mom's on her. And then the close-up of him giving it to her back, Golden Hour. Yes. They were really, they were like, we're going to show you what it, what we can do with Golden Hour. We truly are going <laughs> to show you. 
<laughs> I will say though, I think the two, those two, like the worst in each other and the staying away from each other. I heard it and I was like, yeah, it's the cost it. It's like the lowest infraction, I think. <laughs> I yeah. was like, like I can see it if I really like dig in, but I'm like, it seemed like a, a simple way to like to water down or like uh, in the way that these shows do they try to boil down the character uh beats of an episode down to a simple thing and it, i could see that's what they were trying to do mm -hmm. and even if it didn't like connect it in a way that i was like yeah that's what i thought was happening this whole episode i was like i feel like you might have missed it by like a millimeter but whatever I'll let you have this one. If that's how Nancy and Ace feel, <laughs> that's how you're telling me they feel. I can do a little bit of math in my head to make it work, but I'm, I, I'm fine. It's, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to get too in the weeds about that one. I, I can agree with you. And I can also see like the other side where I'm like, sure. That was a fear Ace had. And Nancy's telling herself that she was trying to avoid Ace emotionally. I don't know, physically. You're right. Physically, it's like we've seen it. Maybe that's maybe that's where that comes in. She had been trying to like not be near him, and then somehow they were always around each other. Um, but yeah, I was like, whatever, I ignore. I pretend I do not see. <laughs> it does create emotional resonance though, um, because it allows for that that uh phone call to be more weighty. Mm -hmm. um, after having spent time together all episode, I think that they both really needed to hear how important they are to one another. Um, I believe Nancy said that she wouldn't be happy without Ace in his in her life. And I, what Ace said something similar, but he didn't use the word happy. I just can't remember the full line. Someone will tell us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was very similar. I remember the same thing. Just don't remember the word. <laughs> But it was it was nice that they were able to, you know, after all of the well of emotion that we've been going through for a good portion of the season, that they were able to say something very heartfelt without, mm -hmm. you know, the baggage of them not going forward with their relationship. Mm -hmm. I think they feel really safe with each other. Mm -hmm. And I, well, I don't know which one, maybe both, but they wanted to be able to not feel that. And I think maybe being with each other in this kind of way in this episode was kind of like, oh crap, yeah, we do feel safer in each other and it feels good and it feels right. Mm -hmm. in, your, uh, in your rule of fourths for the season read, um, I, I think, did you say, we said this would be the, like, the distraction kind of era where they like move on from each other. We thought maybe Tristan would be more involved in that, but it turns out they're just distracting yeah. all of us from the storyline just with these. Even in like two episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're just distracting all of us with the storyline with these random standalone episodes and they're absolutely incredible. And um, I love it when they do it. I hope we get at least one more. But now that we're in the distraction era or whatever, I feel like we're heading into the like the the where they move back towards each other kind of era in that, uh, yeah, they're not together together, but they figured out that they're going to get through this problem or this this like patch together rather than going their separate ways. And like we said, they've been going their separate ways for two or three episodes and like this 
side by side in almost every single episode it hasn't exactly worked out so maybe that's maybe that's the point of the lesson here that they always do find their way back to each other but i do i'm looking forward to them just sharing more scenes together without the like weight of that conflict of course they'll try to figure it out as we head towards the end of the season but watching them argue with each other back and forth hasn't exactly been the most fun experience so i just hope we get to see more of them as parallels again yeah, yeah, to your point, um, I feel like to me, this episode wasn't like a romantic mm-hmm. building block. It felt more like getting them to a place like an understanding emotionally. It's where they can be in the same room and feel okay about being in the same room without any extra baggage. Like, I don't, maybe I read it wrong, but it didn't feel like romantic. Like, I'm not like, oh, it's going to happen next episode. They're going to like start holding hands and try to break the curse again like i just feel like okay they got to a place and understanding with each other Mm -hmm. and maybe that's what they needed to get to this whole time but they were trying to do different things well to me it's it came off like post breakup between two people who realize they really want to be in each other's lives so they have to figure out how to be friends again Mm -hmm. like um and that's i mean it very much felt like that to me like i I didn't get romance from it either uh because i think both of them mentioned you know you can't seem to stay away from one another and i was like yes because you have a base of friendship like it's it's not they would never were a relationship that had started from simply attraction so you were going to want each other to be around you're gonna want to help each other you're gonna miss each other when you're around each other because he was like you were both there in each other's lives as friends first so I think that's where we are. I think we're going to try to be friends again, despite our feelings, which I mean, tracks because they, one, Ace is a part of the Drew crew. It's not like they can just remove him. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's not a love interest uh, who can just be shunted to the side for four episodes and then come back like Tristan. <laughs> that would have um, been a funny episode, though, if Ace was like, I'm out. I can't like be involved in the group. And they would try to like welcome in some new person from the morgue. And it just like was not working. That would have been a funny episode. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, no, Ace, we need you. (laughs) That would be really funny. We still have a lot of episodes left. So we have no idea if that would happen. I I think they missed the on-ramp if they were going to tell that story. Um, But yeah, I, I do have to say like a lot can happen in five episodes. So I don't think anybody should be concerned. There's still a path to everything that could happen like five mm-hmm. episodes oh, is a lot yeah we're not saying it's not endgame i just want to be very clear we're saying we're yeah, 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 the, yeah. the post-breakup I, friendship part i'm trying to avoid um what people are saying mm-hmm. personally um i'll leave that there so i don't know what the fears are but just to quell any fears i feel like i've i've been the one for nancy to be like we have time mm-hmm. and i know it feels like we're running out of time and we are but I, a lot can happen and yeah. maybe a lot can happen and it'll feel like, oh, that was quick. Because in 90210, in the series finale, they just randomly put Adriana and Naveed back together. After a, it was a disaster episode, there was like a, they, they went to a concert. It was a whole thing. There was an explosion and they spent the series finale together. And granted, 90210 found out five minutes before filming the series finale that it was the series finale. So they had to, you know, quickly lay some foundation for everything to be final. That's not the case here. But things, I'm just saying, things can happen quickly. And whether they fully work or not is, you know, to be seen. I don't think it's going to be as like, oh, we're just going to shove George and uh, Nick together in the series finale and decide to get back together. I don't, I think we're, if that's going to happen, it would be built a little bit more. But anyway, I rambled. Just, (laughs) that's all to say. There's still time. 
Like there's mm-hmm. a lot can happen in five episodes, especially in this show. Yeah. Well, just a reminder uh, for, I think that's the end of season one. Owen and Nancy get together at the end of the penultimate episode, and then this man dies in the next episode. Actually, Nancy <laughs> was going to be going to Paris with him. So I don't mean to <laughs> laugh. Rest in peace, Owen. Rest but, in it, peace. but it does move fast. So anyone who's concerned, that's just a reminder. Like, even if we got two episodes to go, that doesn't mean that in the penultimate episode, they don't just decide to do a storyline that makes them question their lives and then they're together <laughs> and we break the curse in the finale and then we're all, we bought a ticket to Paris. It can still happen. <laughs> and to quote, Fran, to steal a phrase from Fran Drescher, I would bet dollars for donuts we're getting a flash forward at some mm. point in the series finale. Mm. Like, mm. I, I would bet money. And oh my God, this episode especially, like, I'm thinking about like, how is this going to end? Like, that's a thought that keeps coming into my head as we get closer to the end. And I'm like, I want the last shot not to be like a cliffhanger, but to be like a seed of like, she's going to continue to be entrenched in the supernatural. Like, I want the last shot to be like a, or something, something juicy. Like, I want the last shot to be something, not like, oh, a marriage or like everything's wrapped up in a bow. That'd be cute too, I guess. I don't know. But I just like, (laughs) I don't need like the Tom Swift, like, Mm. enormous cliffhanger i just want to know that like oh this is this train's gonna keep moving whether it's five years in the future or like the next day <laughs> yeah you, you yeah. no season ending. two and was that the, is that season two episode one's ending whichever one where nancy's walking and then she she turns and she faces yes. the camera like something yeah. happened that yes. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah something like, like in the vein of like the batwoman season three ending i think would be good something like uh everybody is in a happy place but the adventures will still continue off screen. There's always going to be a new mystery that needs solved or a new bad guy that needs taken down or a new supernatural entity that best needs to exercise. There's always going to be something there. And I hope that because like I, we love these characters so much. I hate the fact that this is only supposed to have been a year of their lives. It would have been so much more fulfilling <laughs> if it was four years. And um, so I hope that or they get two. many more Each years. season yeah. was like a yeah. half of a year. So I, it would be so much more fulfilling if we knew that they get to do this for years in the future, even when they do get their iconic careers and they do whatever it is they want to do with their lives, that they're still sitting there solving mysteries on the side. Of course, it'll be Nancy's main outlook, but you know what I mean? I just, I hope that Nancy Drew, the adventures will continue for many more years off screen. I think that would be the perfect end for a show like this. Even the season three finale where like they showed people that the rest of the Drew crew settling into different outlets and then Nancy's in her you know, she's started her business and she's like, where are the bodies? Like, that's like a, mm-hmm. it might be too much of a cliffhanger, but it's like the kind of ending where it's like, oh, we see them kind of like being okay. And then the supernatural is still going to like come, come up behind them and say, boo. It's going to be so fun though. They are, they do seem to be laying the track for that because like Nick and Bess, because Nick has to always have a business is like, they're going to do, I'm calling it a nonprofit, but they, you know, so you have the basic, Hershey Bay Historical Society. Then you have the sad, shadowy secret one, which presumably is going to be an Icarus Hall by the end of the, mm. the show. Because um, that, that makes the most sense to me. Because Nancy doesn't need to live in the Icarus Hall by herself. Go get a house. Go get a little <laughs> house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it being over their secret society, their secret like paranormal investigators agency being at Igris Hall just makes the most sense. Like move the whole collection from Hershey Bay Historical Society to that building. Um, yeah. and Can someone tell that. me where Bess is living? Because this is a question I've had 
all season and I'm confused. Where I is think Beth this living? is a historical society because it's a house. So I think she's living upstairs. I think so. I think yeah. they made a joke about that at one point. Well, I would like to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be nice. But I also feel like, wait a second, wait a second. They kept her from being able to go into the historical society at one point. So that uh, means she was houseless. Did not, uh, did the, the, did not know she lives there? They didn't think that one through. See, I need, I just want to know where she's living. Because that's always been like, she lived in a van in season one. And then she mm-hmm. lived with Nancy. And I'm like, where's Beth living? I also remember during this episode, she has a girlfriend that we haven't seen. <laughs> oh, did she mention Addie? Because I didn't. Did, no, she didn't. No. I just remembered. Oh, oh okay. Because I was like, I missed that. What, what's no, Addie she doing? she did not mention her. I was just like, oh, that's right. Beth has a girlfriend. Okay, moved on. <laughs> not not everyone getting new love interest this season. And like, Beth is the longest lasting relationship of the bunch. And nothing. Crumbs. I am emotionally unavailable for whatever's happening with George and the study partner, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, have your fun, like, do your little worksheets together, but, like, I'm I'm emotionally unavailable. I can't. No yeah. investments to be made. The key takeaway there was just Nick realizing that, like, oh, dude actually is okay. You know what? I'll set yeah. this up for her, and I'll say, you're still touching him too much, but okay. I would love best, or not best. Oh, my gosh. I'm, like, all over the place with the body swap episode. George, go on a few dates and realize, like, oh, he's like a law student like me. Is this what I want? No, I want George or Nick. I can't get all the, the names <laughs> all over the place. Like, I could see that arc happening, and maybe that's what I want from it. I don't know. I just like I'm not getting invested. I'm not. Mm-hmm. No, I can't do that. I will say Phantom's confusing me though. I didn't expect Nick to be like him saying, "I know you better than anyone." Like, totally fine, checks out. But like the uh, the I'm gonna be your your wingman. I was like, we're in a comfortable spot. How long has it been since y'all broke off the engagement? Where that we're a comfortable five, five days, probably. Confusion, <laughs> Con- confusion. It is like, oh, okay. You're her, you're her wingman now, and she's like excited that you would do that for her. And I just feel like y'all been broken up for a solid year at this point. If we're if we're okay doing that for her, but maybe he's yeah. just that settled in his relationship with uh, Jade. It's a lot really fast. No judgment, but you know you have to like stop and think to really get on the same level and page with them to be like where where, where, where were we where are we at now um but yeah yeah but i, I did know. like it's not toxic no toxic masculinity there Mm-mm. no none at all no. just a, just a shade of jealousy at first and then yeah. he took himself out of it and did something he thought would benefit her nick continues to be at the same simultaneously the dad of the group and also baby girl. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. <laughs> like that's it's his sweet spot right there. Yes. <laughs> when he when Nancy did her monologue and he immediately stood up at the claw, I was like, I love you. I love you I so know. much. And then the shoulder grab, like the squeeze, like, yes, you're family. Like we're family. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, you are. You yeah. are. Love this little group. They're just so so amazing i also like that he stood up to miss ma'am who i um, Mm -hmm. someone was like i don't believe she's actually from this town's like i don't believe she's actually from her shoe bay either but starting a rumor she's the sin eater (laughs) yes (laughs) accuse her no evidence lock her away yeah i'm gonna have tristan beating these allegations (laughs) (laughs) but she's really i it is interesting that they are sort of I, i would say this is probably like an e plot maybe a d plot um that she is a representation of what's going on in America right now when it comes to censorship and um and concerned parents who are like just sending in 
different things about talking points about books that shouldn't be in libraries or books that shouldn't be available or accessed at schools. That's who she is. And in a nutshell, down to the, um, the crisis acting. Like she didn't even mention what she's concerned about as a parent who, what is it? Parents who believe in historical truths or something like that. Um, she did like what what exactly is wrong with historical what society? Did she, what did she call Bess? She was throwing words at our girl she Bess was, and I was like, hold me back. Extremist. <laughs> me back. She called her Extre- an extremist. Oh, and I was like, You're the extremist ex- lady. Yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. and then no one pushed back on that. Like in the audience, like they were like clapping for the lady to be there. And I but was she like, She said it, it she said it to Bess. I know. Mm-hmm. And Bess, like, and like the immediately accent was there. <laughs> <laughs> You don't mess with Bess. No, I mean, just like, and Bess is the sweetest. And this lady knows nothing about her. I highly doubt she knows anything about what's going on at the Historical Society. Um, and But how are you born and raised in Horseshoe Bay and you're not getting the whiff of the weirdness that's happening in town? Like, wake up and smell the ghost, lady. It's here <laughs> and it's happening. All the time. Like, sure, y'all don't need to pop up at the council meeting like the man who was like, the, the what did he say? The tidal web was based on super a supernatural thing. Like, it was, but you need to. Sh- <laughs> 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 like, how are you from a town where you have like a ritual about the bucket of blood kicking right thing over, and you're just gonna like be barking at a meeting about Bess? I don't like it. I don't like her. Like, that's why I don't believe she actually lives here. Like, I'm like, I don't think because that's the, that's like the ML of groups like this. A lot of them don't actually come from the mm, counties that they're. Com- no, I'm foil hat on. She's the sin eater because she's like, oh, look at everything else. Don't look at me. I'm the sin eater. Like, oh, everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, she's trying to. What's that called? I don't know what it's called. I don't know other words like that. But like, she's trying to like look over there, not at me. Oh, a smokescreen? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's exhibit B right now. So she is two exhibits against her. And exhibit C with it, we just don't like her. That's like that's yeah. totally can be reasons why this woman is a sin eater. A, B, C, we don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> but like Nick really was like very so first of all, why are you standing in front of his car? I did not like that. Um no. when she's just waiting for him. But also for him to be like, so I decided to turn down the cancel seat, council seat, because I'm going to make sure people like you can't interfere with inclusion in this in this town I'm like you go mayor you one day you'll be mayor of, of horseshoe bay or wait, actually will he Back be able me. to you know <laughs> but she's it's not the last we've seen of her Mm-mm. no but the look on her face after after he put her in her place so 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 rewarding um yeah it's what she deserved she 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 tracked all the way out of the car for no reason just to get uh all of her insults handed back to her it's what she I deserved she a hobby yeah <laughs> A job. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more thing to praise that I've been thinking about. I'm constantly like on objectification watch, it seems like in the show. I don't know why. But something that I thought about that I wasn't really a thought until we were talking about it, the, like the body swap plot, there was no weirdness about being in each other's mm. bodies. No one was mm-hmm. like, oh, like no one said anything weird. And I'm just like thankful because it, as much as it reminded me of like, scooby-doo the live action movie that we grew up with i think there was some weirdness about that there's always something about when you're in the opposite sex you make some sort of reference to the body parts and i'm like i'm so glad that was not included in the show Mm -hmm. and it continues to be a shining example of just telling the story Mm -hmm. just tell your story and they did and i i didn't want to end the episode without praising that because 
I think sometimes these shows need to be praised for doing the bare minimum, which is not being weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this, it is lovely though, because like, even when they were commenting, you know, on being in a different body, it was very neutral. It's like, I just got shorter or, um, or it's just the touching of the hair. Like it really is right there. My goodness. Or when, yeah. even when Bess was like feeling Nick's muscles, that was about her suddenly having musculature. Mm-hmm. And then Nick got to be like, yeah, that's CrossFit. <laughs> like tries to <laughs> like tries to be, or even when um when uh Ace's Ace as Nancy's hair gets adjusted, it's Nancy adjusting her own hair rather than him looking in the mirror and trying to primp her, which would mm-hmm. be weird. Um, yeah. so it's just they the choices they make all the time to make sure that all the characters have their own bodily autonomy and that the gaze for the audience isn't like objectifying i love when you praise them for it because they do deserve to be praised for it a lot of shows they love a moment in which they can exploit uh like how characters are feeling about each other's bodies or especially women show it yeah so there was none of that completely avoided it very refreshing i just i love this this show for that for many reasons but that reason in particular that they're not trying to make anybody feel unsafe mm-hmm. in this the five main characters like they're i don't know i just love i there's many things to praise about the show and this episode but i um i wanted to make sure to call that out because it's really important mm-hmm. i want to shout out quickly and this is not about what you had just mentioned reed but the scene in which tom and, and ace are on the boat it's clearly stage work and I'm like, can we bring that back? Because everyone wants to just be like scheduling time to actually be out on the ocean. And I'm just like, we don't, if y'all crying about budgets, this is why we don't need to do that anymore. Put them on a stage, fill it a little bit mm-hmm. with water and have someone in the back just toss a bucket over, over <laughs> <laughs> like so that we can pretend a wave hit it. I think we need to get back to that when it comes to television. I think everyone's just gotten so used to the budgets they've been given that they want to do just something spectacular out actually out on the ocean or anywhere you'd actually be on a body of water. It's like, it's not necessary. We, if we broke, we broke. So just like be, be But there. sometimes they make it look so good. Like I remember finding out that um, the lifeguard stand in the OC was on a soundstage. And I was like, mm-hmm. you mean they weren't really on a beach? Like <laughs> literally like 10 years after I'd been watching the show, I found out that it was on a stage and not on an actual beach. Maybe they did do some shot. They did, I think, establishing shots on the beach, but like close up, they didn't have those kids out on a beach at 9 p.m. <laughs> filming. Like, I don't know why I didn't put that together, but they can make it look so that's TV magic. And mm-hmm. I think not to circle all the way back to our accidental accidental rant from the top of the pod, but like um, sometimes realism can take away from the magic of TV when everything looks like, oh, we, you put Jennifer Garner on a boat in the middle of a lake. Not that that mm-hmm. happened in the last thing you told me. That's just the first thing that came to mind. But like, and I know they do that in a lot of, and even in Nancy Drew, they're on a beach calling for the Iglaica. But sometimes we, I think the three of us are, advocates for a little bit of cheese and corniness and mm-hmm. tv magic mm-hmm. and sometimes keep the green simple. screens say yeah. fuck yeah <laughs> yeah keeping it simple sometimes works best i know at first i was like why are they going out fishing in horseshoe bay of all places in the dark this late yeah, at night right. yeah exactly um but i mean now, now i know why exactly that bad choice was made and i mean it worked smoke it mirrors it it was a nice little scene in the episode couldn't have done without and there was no need to 
overly complicate things with a with a huge expansive lake or with bad CGI. It was just exactly what it needed to be, and it worked like a dream. Although Ace, the next time you're dumping a cursed jar into the ocean, you toss it out a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just <like> dropped it. <laughs> but you know what? Made a memory. He did. He did. And a very nice one, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good place to end it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so thank you all for listening and for watching. Where the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, y'all. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.